Hey everybody, welcome to the Ramblin' Pod, we're on episode 6. Thank you so much for joining me, I'm so happy you're here, I'm so happy I'm here. It's a snow day here in Washington, D.C., and we're gonna talk about some stuff. So, let's get started. Alright, so Ramblin' number 6, I am making a change We are no longer doing the video versions of the podcast. Now, why are you doing this, Karen? You might ask yourself. Well, it was a lot of work for almost no payoff. I don't think anyone watched them either. And people who did watch them, I think they watched them accidentally when they went to my YouTube channel to watch a different video. And it just started to become... A little embarrassing that every other video on my YouTube channel was a rambling pod instead of a video you might want to watch instead, like a video about something else that's not just me rambling. So we're just going to do podcast in the traditional sense from now on. Maybe if like down the road, if this actually becomes something that people listen to regularly (laughs) and it's not just my closest people. You know, who knows what would happen. I might put it back on the video version. But for now, I think audio only. So if anyone was watching on YouTube, I'm sorry. There'll be other cool videos you can watch instead. So it's been a snow day today. And about two or three inches of snow fell in uh, D.C. proper. Had the day off of work, which was nice. Although I did telework. But it's just nice to work from home when you weren't expecting it. All right, so first topic, back on alcohol, (laughs) which is, it sounds bad when you put it like that, Karen, but if you listen to the last episode, I did the sober January or dry January, I am happy to report that I succeeded in my 31 days. Congratulations to me. And it was pretty, it was a pretty good experiment, I think. And I'm really glad I did it. I'm really glad I made it. I went to New York during the time and was not able to drink all the fancy cocktails and awesome beers that are in New York. So that kind of sucked a little bit. But after, I think I, I, I came to realize that After the initial ordering of drinks, when you're in a group of friends, for me at least, that was the hardest part, is sitting down at a table, the waitress, waiter comes over, and that initial like, oh, what can I get you guys to drink? The impulse to order a drink is very strong. And after I was able to decline and just say water... It really didn't bug me to be around friends who were drinking. It felt like I completely forgot that they were drinking alcohol and I wasn't. For the rest of the time that I had left, it was it was pretty easy. And I am thinking about incorporating alcohol fasts or refraining from alcohol more often in the future because I felt pretty pretty good by the end well especially compared to then how i felt after i had drank again 
I didn't go overboard the first time back off the wagon, but I definitely didn't just have one drink. And the hangover from... And and I didn't even have as much as I used to have when I would have a hangover. I had maybe three beers the first night out. I'm still finding that less alcohol affects me more. But one thing I didn't expect coming back to my regular drinking schedule is I'm not enjoying it as much as I used to. I used to really love beer, like really enjoy the taste of it and really enjoy the feeling it gave me, really enjoy all the varieties. And now I've tried three three or four different beers and it just doesn't have the same experience anymore. So I don't know if I've broken myself, if I ruined beer <laughs> for myself, which on one side of things is good because it means I'll drink less. But on the other side of things, I really, it was like a really nice thing about being a human was the ability to jo- to enjoy beer. So I don't know. We'll, we'll continue. I'm not like going to stop again completely, but... I'm definitely doing less, which is, you know, something that I think is a a good outcome. Next up, what do we have? We have MacBook Pro continued, dot, 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 resolved. So last time I checked in with you podcast listeners, I received the replacement and I had real high hopes for it. I was, I was really like convinced that something was wrong with the old laptop. And I think the Apple support dude, he he thought that too. And you know, he's a professional trusting his professional opinion. So I got it, connected it up to my system both in the home office and at work with the same keyboards, the same magic keyboards and magic mice and I think it must have been not even 10 minutes and the bluetooth issue kept coming in and out and the uh the frustration that I felt when I saw that stupid white box that said keyboard disconnected I just I almost lost it and I tried to reconnect, disconnect, do all the debugging stuff, and nothing seemed to help. So I wrote back to Apple support, you know, yada, 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 it's still happening, let's schedule another call. So he he explained to me how to collect the log files and showed me where I can upload them to Apple servers. And I did, and it was very quick. I think he was surprised how fast my internet connection at work was. He remarked on that during the call. And after we completed that, I forget exactly how we got onto the topic of what model keyboard I was using. And because I had told him that it was an Apple Magic keyboard. And I think at the beginning of our correspondence, I told him that I was using a Magic Mouse version 1 on one computer, Magic Mouse version 2 on another, and then 
to Magic Keyboards version one. So I think he already, I think I told him. I don't know if he internalized or wrote down that I was using using a version one of a Magic Keyboard. But we got onto that topic after I uploaded the logs. And he, he, he like said, so you're using, you know, the Magic Keyboard the new one, right? And I was like, no, I'm using the version one. And he was like, oh, okay. And then he he paused for a little while and he was like, huh, well, I'm going to send you a new keyboard. <laughs> and I was like, okay, um, that's great. He's like, yeah, we're going to hold off on sending these logs to the engineering team. We have them for the next step. But what we're going to do is I'm going to send you a new keyboard and we're going to see what happens with that. And I thought to myself, this is this is cool. All right. New keyboard. That's awesome. If it solves the problem, that's awesome, too. But but also, why the hell didn't we try that in the first place? Now, I am not a customer customer support specialist. I'm not I don't work at Apple. I don't know what the training or guidebook says the best steps to, you know, customer satisfaction are. But, at, you know, I used to be a web designer. And when you are troubleshooting things, especially with technology, one of the first things that you figure out when you're talking to someone who's experienced a problem that you can't reproduce yourself is you get all of the specific data points that you can. So in web design, when someone was saying, oh, this isn't working in my browser, you know, the first things you go for are what browser are you using? What version are you using? What, you know, are you on a PC? Are you on a Mac? Uh, Do you have this enabled? Do you have that enabled? So I get the new keyboard and I didn't really have that much faith that it was going to do the job because I thought, hey, it's, you know, still an Apple keyboard. The Magic Keyboard should still work regardless of what version it is, unless there's some extra Bluetooth strength in there. I don't know how it works. But I got it and hooked it up. And also the new version of the Magic Keyboard, while the keys are much smaller and and the travel is very shallow uh the one feature on it that i think makes it 10 times better than the old one is it actually has an on off switch which is so helpful because that stupid momentary switch that's on the old one where you're like is this on is this not and then you like press the the on button and it would maybe give you a green light Maybe not. It's just much clearer now, which is always helpful. But I turn it on and connect it. And I, you know, knock on wood, I have not had one disconnect since. And I just cannot believe that it worked. (laughs) I cannot believe that they sent me a whole brand new, brand spanking new laptop when it might have just been Magic Keyboard version 1 does not work well with new laptops. But it just it, it, it boggles my mind that he didn't ask what version of the Magic Keeper are using. Anywho, 
it's been a couple weeks and we are tentatively in good shape. So I really want to put stickers and do the sticker baptism on this bad boy, but there's something holding me back. And I think I just need to figure out the best method or the best strategy. I think I'm probably going to overthink it and be unhappy with it. But, you know, that's the theme of of my life. <laughs> Anywho. All right. Next topic, solar eclipse update. I think the last time we talked about this, I was in early stages of editing, already put in, I think I already put in quite a few hours, but it was still very early in the project. I had not yet reached the momentum moment, which I think I talked about last time, where you're working and you feel like things are coming together and you look at the clock and it's been hours since the last time you looked at the clock and you just you have the momentum you're feeling good about the project i had not reached that point last time we checked in i have since experienced the momentum moment which was great it happened i think last week so it's still it was still a ways off since when the last time i i checked in on ramblin 5 so i still was trudging through that, putting in the work, even though you're not feeling it phase. But I did finally feel that momentum moment, and it was great. Uh, it happened where I, when I was putting together a sequence with some really cool music. The song that I was editing to was really fun, and I was putting some of the geyser footage next to it that I shot in Yosemite, and it just really was flowing together. And I am very close to finishing. I have last Friday, so today's Wednesday, February 20th. So last Friday, or I guess it was Thursday, I left work having finished the rough cut, which felt amazing too. So the moment, the, the momentum moment happened, and then soon after, I wrapped up the rough cut, which means I had a start and I had an ending which is a big deal for a huge project like this. And it was coming in, I think at that point, around 40 minutes. But I had that rough cut, and it felt really great. And then the task of color correction and audio mastering and mixing was next up on the docket, and I've been struggling through that since then. <laughs> I, I think I finally uh, finished... The color correction, which, oh my god, I completely fucked the colors shooting all of this footage. I don't know what picture settings I used. I think I tried to use who is Matt Johnson's D-log or Matt log or Matt, I think he calls it Matt flat. And it's not that big of a change to, I think, one of the default settings but i don't i don't think i i copied over his settings correctly to my camera because the footage that i got out of the camera was just so muddy it was it was super flat which i was expecting cuz i think i was 
shooting in a cine mode or something where it's super flat. I don't think I was shooting in S-Log. It might have been S-Log. So I was expecting it to be flat, a flat picture, but the colors were just so off. And I don't know if my white balance was fucked. It very well could have been user error in just setting the white balance, and it could have been fine if I had just fixed that. I think I either need to get static ND filters for shooting outdoors or do more research into variable NDs because for several shots, especially because we were shooting, I was shooting during midday, so it was super sunny, needed a lot of filtering out the, the light, a lot of sunglasses on the camera, and I got the dreaded X in the in the variable ND. Doing my research, I I am aware that if you go past a certain threshold on these ND filters, you are going to get the X. And I think that's just the nature of how the variableness works. But I felt like I wasn't get like it was either I was either trying to block out too much sun or the ND filter I used just wasn't as high quality maybe but if I'm gonna shoot in super sunny conditions I think I need to get more practice with ND filters of various kinds I am really curious on what other filmmakers use when they're shooting outdoors in particular because a lot you know a lot of the guides and YouTube videos I watch that teach how to shoot outdoors and keep the 180 degree rule so for the non-geeky people out there the 180 degree rule is you double your frames per second for your shutter speed so if I'm shooting simplified if I'm shooting at 24 frames per second I want a shutter speed that's around 150th of a second and this is to keep the motion blur uh, in the footage as natural as can be and I know that you can play around with that rule and kind of push it a little bit and maybe make your shutter speed 160th or 140th but you don't want to push it too much because then your footage is either going to have a lot of motion blur, which could be fine for the situation. You might want more motion blur. And then on the other side of it, if you crank it the other direction, your footage might get really stuttery. But I don't think I'm to that point yet where I know how to push the limits and how to break the rules in the right way. But I'm I'm curious on what some other filmmakers are doing because there's one in particular who I never I never see him using an ND filter. I I saw that he had it once on his gear list, but then it disappeared. And he's very adamant about updating his gear list. And I'm just wondering, is he using aperture to cut down on the light outside or is he pushing the shutter in one direction or another it's a mystery so anyway the color on the footage i shot was garbage 
I'm kind of at the point now with the project that I just want to get it done and I'm not letting the perfectionist in me stop me from completing it. So audio is next. And then next Tuesday, I am premiering it with Lauren and Jen at Lauren's house. I'm going to send a link to Mary, who's also in the video. She lives in not here. And I'm going to send a link to Allie. And we're all going to watch it. And I really hope that everyone loves it. So anywho, I think I'm going to try to share more as I go through these videos to to not only share with the community what I'm up to and keep friends updated on what I'm doing. A lot of people think I don't exist because I don't really post a lot on social media. I'm always lurking. I want to put it out there that I'm doing video and that I'm available for freelance. And I have not put together the Ramblin' video stuff, which I really need to. I was trying to do that before I... And this is the next topic, so this is a great segue. I was trying to put together a logo and a brand, and I knew I wasn't going to hit it out of the park first go, but I thought I could put together at least like basic branding fairly quickly, but I just didn't. So I need to focus on rambling video branding, get that out there. I have two new video projects on the docket for the next six months, which I'm really excited about. So let's talk about those. So rambling video has sort of had a false start after the solar eclipse is done, focusing on getting that up to a bare minimum, then diving into the next backlog edit. At the same time, with all my free time after all of that, I am working with my barber to produce a few videos for her business, which I'm really excited about. I think the first one we're going to work on is just a promotional video that she can share on her website and on Instagram that showcases the space that she's created for herself and for her employees. She is She owns the barbershop that she runs and she recently hired another barber and she's got another new person starting soon and it's it's all women it's all women of color it is open to lgbt people it's open to anyone it's a it's a space that's very inclusive and she wants to spread the word and she wants to sort of give the vibe of like this is you know a community space this is a, a woman powered space and we talked about starting to shoot it in the spring which is great timing it'll give me time to work through hopefully at least one more video in the backlog so at least either la or bermuda hopefully both of them i'm hoping that the next videos don't take me as long to edit as the solar eclipse one did then i also booked another video gig shooting a wedding in july that's on uh, july 5th and the location is in upstate new york <laughs> which is a little far away but I'm really excited to to do this project. So I got it through a photographer friend of mine who's going to be the photographer for the wedding. And we are doing solo 
shooting. So she's doing solo photography. I'm doing solo video. They are getting married and doing the reception all at the same place, which is awesome. I think it's going to be really beautiful to shoot there. The hotel that they're getting married in is by a lake. And I think it's kind of up in the mountains. Another cool thing about this wedding is it's going to put me in upstate New York. And my birthday is two days later on July 7th. What better way to celebrate a 30-something birthday than to hike up some tall-ass eastern coast mountains? So, after the wedding, I'm going to rent a car and drive up to the Adirondacks. I've never been up there, but I hear it's quite beautiful. And particularly... The High Peaks region is looking pretty awesome to me. So I think what I'm going to do is shoot this wedding on July 5th. Next day, rent a car and drive up there and spend at least two nights out there and try to capture it with my camera, take lots of nighttime astrophotography, and just have a great time and celebrate my birthday in nature and without partying and kind of reset my internal clock and my chi and all that spiritual stuff and just spend some time. I think I'm going to be alone, which on one level I'm like, oh God, I'm going to be alone. But on another level, I know if I just practice being outdoors alone more, I will grow more comfortable being outdoors. I will grow more comfortable doing solo trips. When I was in LA, and this will be covered in the LA video, I kind of freaked out at night when I was camping by myself up on that mountaintop. Halfway through the night, getting up and sleeping in the car the rest of the night, because I was so freaked out about all the sounds that I was hearing. And I've read other people's takes on this. A lot of people in the camping subreddit who talk about solo camping, ask, will I ever be comfortable, you know, sleeping outdoors alone? And a lot of people say, yeah, the first couple times I never, I didn't sleep a wink, but you'll get used to it. You just need to do it more often. So I think while I haven't done it that much since then, maybe I'll try to go out alone again in April to a local place like out in Shenandoah practice sleeping solo camping solo so then i will be able to enjoy sleeping solo camping solo uh for my birthday because i don't want to spend the night in in anxiety (laughs) but i it's something i really want to have as a refuge for myself going forward where i can go out into the mountains i can really immerse myself in nature and be able to enjoy just spending time out there. So that's the plan. And then after that, it'll probably be around, you know, July 8th, I'll take the week off of work. And my family is having a family reunion with all the cousins and all the aunts and uncles on July 9th in Toledo, Ohio. And I think, well, the reunion's on July 13th, but the family's getting a house up there on July 9th on 
I think it's whatever lake is right there. I think Lake Erie or whatever. So I'll just drive from, uh, I think probably around Lake Placid over to Toledo, Ohio. I think it's, it's going to be a long drive. It's going to be like eight or nine hours, which I'm no stranger to, but it's not a, you know, not a, a super fast trip. So that's the plan. And I want to make an awesome hiking video in much, you know, in the in the vein of one of my favorite YouTubers who's kind of crazy, but he just makes the coolest shit, Craig Adams. I I really admire his work. He did a trip in the Adirondacks. He did the high peaks. And it's it's I think oh, this reminds me of something. So I saw someone today posted on Instagram a quote from someone. And it, and maybe I can pull it up. All right. So someone posted this on Instagram today and it really struck me. So let me read it to you. Wishing I could do everything in my life once as practice and then go back and do it again. Leslie Feinberg. I don't know who Leslie Feinberg is. I don't, uh, I haven't looked it up yet, but reading that quote, it, I really had a strong reaction to it because I feel I identify so much with that feeling, that feeling of I wish I could have practice and then be able to do the thing for real. And I often, especially when I'm traveling and in new situations, I often feel a lot of anxiety because I'm like, what am I doing? How do I interact with this environment? What do I say? Is this normal? Where can I go to be safe? Where can I go to have the most fun? Is this restaurant going to be good? What What's my next plan? You know, all the decisions that you have to make. I think a lot of people, I think people have different reactions to the same situation. And for me, I always feel like the second time I go to a, a place, like, when I go to New York, I feel like every time I go there, I figure out how to do it a little bit better, which makes sense. But what I really want to get better at is being able to be in a new situation and completely be in that moment and be comfortable in that moment and embrace it and not bank on a second chance to do it. I want to experience new places and have a positive experience there, or at least, and this might sound a little eye-rolly, but a, a, an authentic experience there. The thing I think really resonated with me with this quote was uh, I wanted to push back on it. I wanted to say, hey, quote, <laughs> I wanted to push back on the quote and remind myself that you don't get second chances all the time, especially when you're talking about a practice round of life. Like you don't get a second chance at life. I reacted to this quote because I feel like my nature is very similar to the sentiment of that quote where I always feel like, oh, if I just had a second chance of this, if I had a second chance at being 20, I would do it so differently. I feel like I have struggled with figuring out what I want to do with my life, with my job. I feel like I 
you know, honestly wasted a lot of time at Science Magazine. And I wish I could have found, I wish I could have found video and video editing and filmmaking earlier in life and been doing this for that, you know, for five years already. I wish I could go back and do that. But like, it's, it's not very productive in my mind to have those wishes and to linger in those wishes, which, you know, it's completely natural to feel whatever you're going to feel. But I think what matters is what you do with that. And I think I have a tendency to dwell in those types of feelings. And I don't want to do that. I want to go to new places, have new experiences, and figure out how to enjoy them and how to take advantage of them in the moment and not rely on a second chance. And I want my life going forward to not be one where I look back on it and wish I could do it all again. All right, I think that about does it for the show. Thanks for joining me. I will see you in March, probably later in the month. And it's been a great show. Thanks for sticking with me. Hopefully you got something out of that. If not, my apologies. All right, have a great night or morning or whatever time of day it is. Love you. Good night.